Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, Colossians 1 verse 17 says, speaking of Jesus, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I I have a little uh, presentation I'm going to do. I'm going to use my laptop here. He is before all things. He's speaking of Jesus. Now, last week we talked about the fact that he was he was the firstborn, or he's the preeminent. He's the most important, the most favored over all creation, not of all creation, but over all creation. And so we spoke about really the supremacy of Christ, the greatness of Christ, the, the centrality of Jesus to everything, uh, whether, whether things visible or things invisible, uh, whether thrones, dominions, powers, rulers, whatever it may be, Jesus is the single most important thing. And so today, though, I want to show you, I want to start off just by jumping into how I study the Bible, because I want to give you guys some, some, uh, some help on actually reading the Bible for yourself at home. Hopefully you guys are reading through. How many of you have read through Colossians? Jonathan's read through Colossians. How many? Uh, JT's read through Colossians. All right, so a few of you have read through Colossians. Well, good. The rest of you, let's, let's just jump in. At least read the first chapter. It won't take you but five minutes. Uh, and it is. It is where people are worth it and the Bible is worth it. Um, so that as I preach through this, you're able to see the broader context of the letter that, that I'm teaching on. Um, but what I want to do is I want to give you some tools. And one of the biggest tools that you have uh, is right there uh, in on your lap. Or if you're a city chapel member on the floor, occasionally it starts on your lap and ends up on the floor. And it is your cell phone. Um, or on your laptop or your iPad, you can go to blueletterbible.org. Um, blueletterbible.org. That's that's the that's that's the website. And um, I do this for almost every uh, single sermon that I that I preach. I always go to blueletterbible.org. Here it is, right here. I'll just expand that. Um, and this is this is a pretty awesome website. It's a, it's a free tool for you to use to study the Bible. There's so many things actually on this website for you to learn the Word of God, to fall in love with the Word of God, and to study it. Um, I don't have time to get into all of it, but, but just real simply, this is, what, this is what the front page looks like. Thank you, Peter. We got technology going on here. And then what, what you do is you, you type in a passage. Um, so what we'll do is Colossians 1, and you can, you can do the abbreviation if you like. And then you come down here for the, um, the version that you want to use. I'm preaching from the NIV, so I'll select the NIV. Typically, I just go with the good old King James, but um, anyway, that, that'll work too. So, so you click uh, search, and it'll bring up for you um, the whole chapter. Okay, so you, so you can read it. Uh, of course, you can do that on your, your handheld Bible or whatever. But the real cool part, though, about um, blueletterbible.org is as you're reading, see each, you can scroll down each um, verse is right here. As you're reading, you're going to come over here to, say, Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I was reading that, and I, I just, I just, realized that I don't really know what it means for Jesus to hold all things together. 
I mean, I have an idea of what it means. Lovely. Okay, I, I have an idea of what it means, um, but I don't really know what it means for Jesus to hold all things together. And this is, what, this, is, this is what you do when you're reading through Scripture. When you come across a word, and you're not really sure what that means. Uh, because, you know, I, 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 I feel like Jesus is holding things together. I feel like I rely on him to hold my world together. I feel like I rely on him to, to, keep, to keep my world from falling apart. Uh, and, and, and I do believe that that is an application. If, you, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with an uncertainty about the future, man, this passage is a good one for you to memorize and just hold on to. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. As long as we are in him, he will hold all things. But it is important that he's before all things. <laughs> he can't be second to all things or third or fourth or somewhere on the, he's got to be before, he's got to be first. When, it might be good to say when he is before all things, all things in him are held together. Uh, what was it? Uh, I, I recently read a quote of a guy who said the greatest Christian um, parenting fail of our generation is to teach our kids that church should be convenient, but sports requires sacrifice. Well, tuck your toes in under those chairs because you know, I might be stepping on them. Uh, you know what I mean? Because uh, and and but 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 when he is before all things, when he is first, when he is number one, when he is preeminent, when he is the most important, when it says he's before all things, is that's talking about his his order of importance. He is before all things. He is the first, and not only is he the first in order of importance, he's also the first chronologically. He's before all things. He started it. He's the beginning of all things. And when he is the first in line, and when he is the, the preceding one, when he is the one before all things, then he, all things in him are held together. And, and, and that got me thinking, well, I don't really know exactly what that word hold together means. And so this is what you can do. If you come across um, a scripture and you're not sure what it means, you can Go over here to the left, and this little button right here, it says tools. All right, now don't let this confuse you because there's a lot of tools. There's commentaries, there's like audio stuff, there's videos, there's all kinds of tools. I'm not going to get into all of those because I don't want to like uh, discourage you from actually checking this out. I just want to give you the, the simplest way to really learn a little bit more about Scripture, and then, and, and then I'm going to preach from it. So what you do is you click on tools, and then it explodes. <laughs> So what happens is it drops down for you. Um, this down here is Textus Receptus. Um, that's the original uh, Greek. This is the morphological Greek New Testament. So these are two different versions of the original uh, Greek language um, from Scripture. So you don't, you don't need to know Greek, though. Because I know many of you see that and your eyes start like bugging out and you're like, I can't do this. No, it's all right. You don't need to know Greek. But if you know Greek, this is really cool because there's the English word there and here is the Greek word over here. And so if, you, if, if, if you're into that kind of thing, you can see it. What I want to do, though, is, is look at he is before all things and in him all things hold together. There's the word right there, hold together. That's one word. All things are held or, or hold together. And I, I, I want to highlight and show you one, one number, this right here. See that number G4921? That's the Strong's number. 
Uh, you, can, you can go to a book, Bible bookstore and you can buy a Strong's Concordance like I did when I was 12 years old. I got it for Christmas. It's a big old book. I mean, it's really thick. It's, it's great for defending yourself. If you are in trouble, you can use that sucker uh, to defend yourself. It'd probably stop a bullet, actually. Like literally, it's thick enough, you know. Um, it's serious. And, it's, and it can be a little expensive. Now, if you want to go that route, go ahead. But honestly, it's free right here. The exact same information is online at blueletterbible.org. So, like, this is, this is huge. Uh, you can, it's free right here. And actually, you don't, have to, you don't have to scroll through the page of the book to find it. You just go over here to that number, and you click on it. And when you click on it, it's going to give you the Strong's, all kinds of information Everything you would get in the Strong's Concordance, you'll get right here. Now this, once again, don't let this confuse you, but that up there is the original Greek word, the sunistami. Sunistami. Um, and, and actually, uh, Jeff Fish loves this little aspect. If you don't know how, if you want to learn how to speak Greek, you just click on that, and it'll speak to you. Oh, I guess it's not working. Strong's G, 4921. Sunistami. Sunistami. <laughs> Sunistami. There you go. Nice. I'm really giving the, the tech team a workout today. Sunni's to me. So this is, this is also something I always check out is this etymology right here. Uh, I talk about that a lot because you'll see in the etymology that this is a combination of soon and istemi. So that can kind of blow your mind. But anyway, like don't even bother getting into all that unless you really want to. But what I want to do is I want to scroll down to something that I saw this week, which is this link right here, the outline of biblical usage. Outline of biblical usage. Um, this will help you understand the ways in which this passage or this word is used throughout the Bible. And if you can see right here, there are four main ways. One, two, three, four. And so these are my four points today. <laughs> these are my four points because because I want to talk to you about the fact that Jesus holds all things together and it's and it's easy I suppose to just throw that out there as a um just kind of a cheap encouraging word that man if you feel like it's falling apart like Jesus is holding all things together and by the way this 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 message is specific to those who feel like maybe their world is falling apart or have felt like that if you feel like you already got it all together, then this, you're probably not going to get a lot out of this sermon. So you can check out now, and we'll see you on the flip side in about 45 minutes. But, 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 if, but if you've ever felt like your world is spinning out of control or is falling apart, I do feel like this sermon is going to be applicable to you. Um, but it's important to understand the tension. It's, good preaching always has a, a powerful truth, but also a very present tension. Because the, the scripture is powerful and it is true, but it's presented in the context of our lives, which is full of, of things that would argue with it. So that when we read it, we often feel tension because we see this good news, but then we feel this bad news. And so, for instance, you can say God is good and you can tell everybody about how good God is. And that's good. That's true. God is good. But the tension is life is hard. And so good preaching will, will acknowledge both of those things. We'll, we'll, we'll say God is good, but then we'll bring the tension that you feel when you hear that statement. Well, if God is good, why is life so hard? 
right? And, and it'll deal with, with, the, with the, the point of tension at which we live. We live in the middle of that place. We live in a place where life is hard, but we still have to believe that God is good. And so you start to see, and you, it, good, to me, good preaching always plays with that tension. It always flirts with that tension. It moves back and forth across that tension so that the good news of the word of God doesn't fall in your ears and just go away, or it's not deleted by the fact that life is hard, but rather acknowledging that life is hard, but God is still good anyway. God is good in the midst of the difficulty of our lives. He's good in the midst of our loss. He's good in the midst of our trials. He's good in the midst of our, our sadness and sickness and all. All the stuff that comes with the human experience, he's still good. And so to explore the tension of how Jesus holds all things together, this is what I feel like this is, is found inside of this one word, this word that he holds all things together. And so the first point is that he, he's able to hold all things together because he, it is to place together or to set in the same place, to set in the same place. You see that to place together or to set in the same place or band together. Jesus is able to hold all things together when he is the one who sets things in place. One of the reasons why your world is falling apart is because you have been the one setting things in place. When you set things in place, when you are before all things, when you are the first, who, when, when Jesus is the first, he sets things in place. And when he sets things in place, they work in the way that they were designed to work. And he does this throughout all of creation. Paul's building an argument here, and he starts with creation. He says he's the firstborn over creation because he wants you to look at creation. And when we look at creation, man, we see that everything has been set in place. There are bears in Antarctica that can survive. They are perfectly designed to survive in Antarctica. Then there are bears in Montana that are perfectly designed to survive in Montana. But you don't want to drop a black bear off in Antarctica, and you don't want to drop a polar bear off in Montana because they're not perfectly fit. Darwin traveled around the world a little while ago, and he noticed this, and he said, man, it's almost like somebody placed these things exactly where they needed to be. He noticed there were birds in South Africa that were a little bit different than the birds in England because the birds in South Africa needed a little bit something different. And so he started trying to develop a theory as to how all of that happened. Now, he came to know Jesus toward the end of his life, and he realized that there, it wasn't just something that set everything in order. It was someone who set all things exactly where they're supposed to be. Somehow, God, when he, wherever he has placed, whatever he has placed, he's placed it in the perfect environment for that thing. And that, by the way, is true about polar bears and black bears. It's also true about you. He's placed you, and you are perfectly equipped to be where he's placed you to be. He decided. Now, 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 now here's, here's the tension. Here's the tension. People, people often say, well, if it's, if it's going to happen, it's God's will. And they just, they just say, well, whatever's going to happen is God's will. There's, there's this strong thing in our society that it's just like, well, I guess, you know, we'll just see what God's will is as if everything that happens is God's will. That's not true. There's a lot of things that happen that are not God's will. And there's a lot of things that don't happen that God actually wants to have happen. So God doesn't take responsibility for yours or mine or other people's bad decisions. But there are some things that God alone decided. There are some things that God alone picked out that he placed. Did you know that when, that when you were born, like by the time you came out of your mother's stomach, 
it was already decided what your eye color would be. And you didn't have a say in it. It was already decided what your gender would be. And you didn't have a say in it. It was already decided what, what your skin color would be. And you didn't have any say in it whatsoever. It was already decided the time period in the date in history was already planned out. You didn't have anything to do with that. It, it was, it was, it's actually, it, there's a lot written in each and every cell of your body. We call it the, 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 the DNA code. In every cell, you have this massive book, which, which uh, uh, a biologist called the book of life. Because it is the instruction book for life. It tells your body what to do. It tells your head, men, when to stop producing hair on the top of it. And we all have different instruction books, Kirk. We all got different instruction books. But that was decided before you were born. When your hair would turn gray was also decided because your hair turns gray because your body stops sending a particular hormone that tells your, your, your hair follicles to create the color in it. But that was already written in your DNA. It was um, everything, how, how tall you would be. Scott, you had nothing to do with it. It's just, it's just, and, and Cassie, you had nothing to do with it. We just, like, no matter tall or short, like, like you, like Jesus even said, man, you, he said, he said, what can you do by worrying? You can't add one inch to how tall you are. It's already been decided. You are the perfect height for, for you. God picked out the perfect eye color, even though it would change from the time you were born to the time you're three years old. He knew the change that would happen because he wrote it. I think, I think David said something about that. He said, he said, you knew me before I was born, and in your book, all of the days of my life were written before there was even yet one of them. And, and this is what happens. God chose your family. God chose your the time period, the date in history when you would be born. Now, I know many of you don't like your family, and you think God made a mistake. I was, talking, I was talking to my 10-year-old a while back, and, 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 and she has, at that time, she had a seven-year-old brother, which a seven-year-old brother is not much different than an eight-year-old brother, but anyway, he, 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 he's now eight, but, but, but we were talking about how she was having a hard time loving him, and I'm not going to share all our private discussions with you, but, but, but she was having a hard time loving him, and she said something that I thought was pretty good. She said, she said I think it's because we're so different. All, all you acting like that's only a 10-year-old problem. Come on, so I've seen your Facebook post. I know you also have a hard time loving people who are so different than you, who dress different, who think different, who listen to different music, who, who watch different shows, who are into different uh, politicians. Like, like, I, like, man, it's difficult loving somebody. Who's so, and I remember when I was growing up, I was growing up with Peter. Those of you that know my brother Peter, like, are we a little bit different, do you think? Like, like a little bit? Are we just, just a little bit? I remember growing up, I was around Madden's age. And, and I thought to myself, man, if I can learn to live with him. <laughs> Not because he's difficult, but because he's different. If I can learn to live with somebody that different, maybe it'll set me up in life to be able to work with people who are different, to be able to marry somebody who's different, to be, many marriage problems aren't marriage problems at all. They're just problems that you had as a kid. You never learned how to live with somebody different than you and be in peace at the same. I'm just telling you, it's, it, but God set you with your relatives. This is what I told Madden. I said, we didn't pick you out. 
It's not like going to a car dealership. You don't get to pick the color of the trim, you know? You don't get to, like, 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 your mom and I were just doing what your mom and I have been doing ever since we got married, and God did something else that one particular time, and we got you. Ah, we didn't pick your eye color. We didn't pick your personality. We didn't even pick your gender. We didn't, decide, we didn't say, Lord, we really want a girl, and this is why we're going to. No, God just gave us a girl. And the same thing with Micah. We didn't choose his height. We didn't choose his personality. We didn't choose his attitude. We didn't choose his hair color. We didn't, we, we didn't pick any of that stuff. He just came out and God said, this is, what, this, is, this is what I want you to have. And so I said, honey, now there's a lot of things you, you can question. Is this God's will? Is that God's will? I don't know. But if there's one thing I know is God picked you out, put you in our family. And God picked Micah out, put him in our family. And he thought you two would be really good for each other. Maybe because you are so different. He places all things, not just randomly, not just because he enjoys confusion, but because he has a particular design and a purpose for everything he places. And some of you were placed in families that were not good, and he's not responsible for, for their bad decisions. But the truth is, I've even seen people who came out of bad families or messed up families that God used the issues in their past to deal with, to deal with them and to create healing for other people who are also being brought up in messed up families and messed up homes. There might be a purpose for the parents you had, for the relatives you had, for the uncles you had, for the nieces and nephews. There might be a reason. He holds all things together because he initially places all things exactly where he wants them to be. And this is why this, this is why I have to believe that there's a God. Because there's no way that the book of life, the DNA, could just somehow make itself. I mean, like, you know, this, there's, there's, there, there's no way. Just grab any book. I think I was, I was listening to Ray Comfort and he was talking to atheists about this. He said, so I have a textbook here. What, what would you say if I told you this textbook just made itself? The color pictures just sort of came together somehow. The pages were somehow formed through millions or billions or trillions of years of just waddling around in some, some goo. And, and the pages just made themselves, bound themselves together. The, the numbers landed on the correct pages in the correct order. All of the letters somehow formed themselves out of nothing and and." built themselves into coherent sentences? Well, you'd say, I'm crazy. Only a crazy person would believe that, that something came out of nothing. Only a crazy person would say that this something as organized and as detailed and as perfect and as complex as a, as a textbook came out of nothing. Only a crazy person would say that. And yet, People are ready to say that something even more complex like a human eye or a giraffe eye or a fish eye or a buffalo's eye or a bird's eye, they, they, all designed by some kind of code that just sort of randomly fell into place over a long period of time. No, there is someone who placed you, placed me, placed the trees, the, the birds, all, all of this has a, has a code to it. And it's a DNA and it's been written and it's been laid down. He placed all things and when he places all things, he places all things with a purpose. And then the second way that this word is used through scripture is to set one with another by way of presenting or introducing him in order to comprehend. So God places all things he aligns them where he wants them with a particular design in mind. 
And then he will bring things into our lives to introduce us to them in order that we might comprehend him better. I, I'm just throwing this out there, but, but, but God may introduce you to a circumstance or a situation, and it might be a good situation, right? Like when I got my new car, it's not really a new car, it's an old car, but, but when I got the new car, I began to feel the smile of God and realize the pleasure of God and comprehend a new thing about God. And that's true. It's uh, uh, good things. God brings prosperity sometimes into our lives. And it gives us an opportunity to see a better glimpse of him. But more often than not, prosperity actually sort of blinds us to him. So actually, prosperity is one of the, the lesser ways. It's, one of the, it's the poor man's version of revelation. It's the baby's milk, if you will, of revelation. If you're going to walk with God for very long, you're going to be introduced to some things that aren't as flashy and as sexy as a Dodge Viper, you know. You're going to be, God's going to introduce some things to you that aren't quite as, as thrilling as prosperity and a raise and a promotion. I know it's the Lord because it's a promotion. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the Lord wants you to quit your job. <laughs> Maybe the Lord wants you to, I don't know, give all of your money to the poor and come follow me, is what he told one guy. So it's not always, he's not all, he doesn't always speak through positive things that we see as positive. Sometimes what he asks us to walk with is maybe her name is suffering. Maybe her name is sorrow. Maybe her name is, is difficulty. Apparently when this thing goes on screensaver, we lose the scripture. Maybe, may, maybe he's going to ask you to take the hand of somebody that you don't want to take the hand of. It's called difficulty. Or I, I've learned more about God through poverty than I have through prosperity. Uh, the, old, the, the old bird poverty, she's, she's, she's not pretty, but man, she's strong. And she can cook too. <laughs> poverty will do more to feed you not feed your flesh but to feed your spirit in order to comprehend him better sometimes sickness I don't think sickness is always God's will but sometimes sickness will do more to teach you about the healing power of God how else would you know that God is a healer how else would you know that God is a provider? How else would you know that God is a sustainer if you never went through anything? And so we often avoid the rooms that God would have us enter into. We don't want to be introduced to poverty. We don't want to be introduced to lack. We don't want to be introduced to hardship. And so we cherry pick our way through our lives, trying to skirt past the very things that God wants to introduce us to because he would have us know him better. He would have us fellowship in his sufferings. I think it says in Philippians chapter 4. That we would know him and the fellowship of his. There's, there's a fellowship with him in difficulty that you're not going to find in prosperity. I was talking to one of our members, Cassie. Cassie Moffat. Anybody know Cassie? Cassie's back there almost every Sunday at the tech table. Might be every Sunday. I don't really keep track, but I think it's like almost every Sunday she's back there serving and, and serving in so many ways. Um, I was talking to her recently about, about her diabetes. Uh, she, she has diabetes uh, and has, uh, from my understanding, like all of her life. She, as a kid, she had to, 
to, to deal with that. Uh, a lot of kids don't have to deal with that. As a teenager, she had to deal with that. A lot of teenagers don't have to deal with that. And so, you know, she, 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 but, but she made the statement to me that I thought was so interesting. She said, it's not like I would, uh, I would wish diabetes on me. It's not like I would choose it. But I also recognize that God has used it throughout my life. That if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have had to rely on him as much. And she also said, that she's, she's a nurse now. She said, I wouldn't have gone into nursing. I wouldn't have gone into nursing if I had, didn't have. It's amazing. Sometimes you can, you can bless more people through your difficulty and through your pain. You can be a greater blessing to more people through what you have suffered than what you have, than what you have triumphed in. And, 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 she, and she, she, she said, I found my calling because of my condition. God will uh, hold all things together because he places all things together and he introduces us with things that are necessary to our calling, to our future. And he asks us to walk with things that are sometimes difficult, but that what it produces inside of us is gold, is powerful. It's amazing how when we walk with the one that he wants us to walk with, we start to see the way that he sees Thirdly, number three right there, it says to put together by way of composition or combination. To teach by combining and comparing. To put together by way of composition. Um, I love that because one, just as a preacher, you got composition and combination. These are the ways that God holds all things together. A combination, it's like a combination lock, you know. There's external differences creating an internal alignment that are switching, switch, 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 switching, switch, 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 creating an internal alignment that ultimately creates a release of something that was reserved for somebody who knew the combination. And so there's so many things. So so when I say that God holds all things together, I literally mean all things. I mean the positive numbers and the negative numbers. I mean the ups and the down. I'm, I mean when he holds all things, he's working all things to get all things together work, work for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so like a combination lock, it doesn't always make sense on the outside. Because it's not supposed to, because it's hidden. It's hidden for the one who knows the combination. And so the enemy can't get into the promises that God has for you because God is the only one who knows the combination. He's the only one that has it memorized and it doesn't make sense on the outside, but he's creating an inner alignment inside of you that's going to release something that he had planned for you and I from the very beginning. So I guess I'm saying when he starts taking his thumb and moving things around, don't get too out of whack. Don't get too worried or frustrated because he's bringing an internal alignment. He's, he's, he's changing some relationships. He's changing some job titles. He's changing some names and, some, and some, some, some prefixes in front of the name. He's changing some time, some schedules. He's releasing some things and creating space. I'm telling you, I, I, the more that I know how to trust God, the more thankful I am for the positive numbers and the negative numbers. Because it was the positive numbers that showed me that God is good. And it was the negative numbers that showed me that life is hard. But the positive and the negative numbers as they came together, 
together showed me that even when life is hard, God is good. And God is good through the hardness of life. There's an internal alignment happening inside of me that wouldn't have happened any other way. It's a combination. God only knows the combination for your life. God only knows the combination for your family. God only knows the combination for this city. He only knows the kinds of churches that it takes in this city. That's why, man, we're so excited about every single church that is being planted in this city because every because it because it takes odd numbers and even numbers. You know what I'm saying? It takes some odd folks and some even folks. It takes some some ones and some zeros. It, ta- it, it, it takes all of these things working together to unlock the combination of a city. God's not going to use one denomination. God's not going to use one church. God's not God's not confined to one brand or one flag or one logo. God is God is over all of these things, creating an internal alignment the combination to unlock and not only is it a combination it's a composition it's a composition to compose composition is a creative process that God uses to make all things together to hold all things together he composes and if any of you have ever been into music you might have you might have composed a thing or two it doesn't all happen all at once. It's a, it's, it's a process. It's a process of, 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 of different things. You've got to have rhyme and, pro, and prose and, and poetry. You've got to have something to say. You have to have a way to say it. And then you have to have some kind of music, some kind of chords that make sense. And so, so I've asked Pete to, Pete, Pete's got this guitar. This music is going to be really funky. This is, this is called dissonance. This is what that's called. When you play one thing and God's playing something else, it's called dissonance. So sometimes you got to turn off what you started. And because and, 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 God's always more simple than us. That's why we miss him. He's so darn simple. Let's listen to the Catherine Coleman this week. If you don't know Catherine, she's an old, old preacher. I was listening. She was talking about God's so simple, we miss him. We're looking for the complicated. We're looking for the elaborate. We're looking for the complex. We're looking for, we're looking for the three-hour discussion about the, this and that. We love complexity because it helps us not really nail anything down. <laughs> she didn't say that. that was, that's why I added. But she said, God's so simple. He's so simple. It's, so, it's a still, small voice. It's not a wind. It's not a fire. It's so simple. We miss it. It's this whisper. And he'll speak something to us. And so I actually asked Pete to come up and just demonstrate. He's been playing guitar with me for forever. We've been playing guitar. And so what I want him to demonstrate is something simple. Uh, give me a G chord, just a regular G. Lovely. Perfect. So this, this is how composition starts. You have one chord. But you can't just play just one chord. God will often give you a chord with a particular rhythm. So I don't know, maybe like... Jump, jump, jump. Nice. Nice. I, I, I like it. That's good. That's good. But that's all he'll give you. And this is, why, this is why we miss it, because we come to church and God speaks to us and he speaks like. And we're like, yes, I got this. This is awesome. And then we go home on Monday and all we get is. And we're like, well, that's the same thing I got yesterday. And then on Tuesday, we're praying, and then he says, and we're like, that sounds pretty much the same. 
And so pastor preaches on freedom on Sunday morning, and then we go to a small group on Monday night, and we get same thing. And we're like, oh, I already know that. Past that, done with that. Lord, let's get on to the full song. Let's get on to the full thing. I need, I, I, come on, like we need some lyrics. We need, we, we need at least another chord. We need some stuff going on. But what happens is God will often, to, the, the writing, the composition process is you got to get so good at playing your G chord. And, and not just like messing with it. Like, no, no, no. Like the rhythm that, that you started off with. Like you got to get that rhythm down. Because that's important. Dun, 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 dun. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that, that works. But it's, 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 it's this rhythm. And, and sometimes, like, God's, God's not waiting. God's not running out of time. He's not worried about time. He's worried about getting it right. Because the composition requires each step to be right. You can't play part of a G chord. You can't play, play a G minor or a G flat. It's got to be a full G major chord. And if it's not right, and if the rhythm's not right, we can't build on that. We can't move on that. And so, so often we get stuck because we want the full song when God's trying to download the first chord. <laughs> Can I preach for just a second? You might have to be faithful in that first chord. You might, if, if whatever God's revealed to you, whether it's about tithing, whether it's about church attendance, whether it's about loving your wife, whether it's about raising your kids, I don't know what God's revealed to you, but you better just play the best G major chord you can play for as long as you can play it until you play it in your sleep. Until you play it while you're eating, until you hear it in your head when you wake up in the morning, it's drumming inside of you. This one beat, this one thing, this one act of obedience, this one bit of faithfulness. Don't, don't skip on to the next bit. Don't, don't ask for the whole song when you don't know the G chord. You got to get the G major down. You got to be able to, to just play it. And then once you get it down, once you get it down, he'll, he'll, he'll throw a curveball at you. Like that. What is, is, is that a D? So he'll throw a curveball. He'll ask you to play the G chord, but don't end on G, end on D. And you'll be like, but Lord, this is how I've been doing it for, you know, five years. I mean, Lord, I got this down now. Lord, I got it. I'm good. I don't need anything new. I don't need any of the crazy people shouting in church. I don't need any of this stuff making me feel uncomfortable. I don't need, I don't need God moving and doing crazy. Like, why, why do we have to be yelling all the time? Why does she have to be so loud? Why does he have to be so loud? And I don't need all this different stuff. And, and what, what, what he's doing is he's bringing a different chord that works with the first one. It works, but it's different. And then he asks you to walk in that for a while. And he asks you to play the G to the D. And then just back and forth. Just back and forth. And, and just like that, the same rhythm, but it's a, new, it's a new process. It's a new step. It's a new chord. It's a new conviction. It's a new deepening work. It's a new thing that God's saying, hey, check this out. And so it's not always conviction. Sometimes we get addicted, I think, to shame. Those of us that grew up in church. And we need God to step on our toes before we realize he's in the room. He's your father. He doesn't want to walk on your toes all day, every day. Yeah, he wants to dance with you. 
He wants to move with you. And as you, as you follow him, he, he starts building it. He'll go from a G to a D. And then, hey, what's that? <laughs> That's an A. So we got G, D, and then there's a B minor in there. And then back to the A. So he'll just throw a bunch of them. But, but you, you got to get the step of it. The steps of it are so important. When you get the steps of it, then it can all start flowing together. And then you can, and then you can do that, whatever he just did. Uh-oh. Sometimes he'll go up the fret. He'll move up the fret a little bit just to, just to, just to mess with you just to keep you on your toes just to make you remember he's the composer not you you're the player he's the composer you're not writing this song he's writing this song the song of your life he's the composer you're just playing what he's telling you and if he doesn't tell you just keep playing what he last told you you don't have it down yet you're still working on the rhythm or something I don't know get a metronome Figure it out. Get blueletterbible.org. Figure it out. Get, get, jump into that word. That's, this is your metronome. This right here. This is the rhythm. This is the metronome. The, the word of God is the, it's the rhythm. That's what keeps you on beat. That's what keeps you from, from, from going off and playing a different song every time you play it. It's got to be the same beat. It's got to be the same rhythm. It keeps you on. Would you, would you, would you stand with me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thanks, Pete, for, for helping us out. But he's been doing that for a long time. If I were to ask anyone else to, you know, a lot of you, well, actually, some of you could do it. But if I were to ask Jonathan to come over, that wouldn't work out so well. G chord, what's that? How do I? He could do the dancing. He could beat us all in a dance-off. Jonathan beat us in a dance-off. But, uh, but it takes some practice. And I was there when Peter was practicing. I was there. We shared a room as teenagers. And it was not annoying at all to hear him play that G chord over and over and over and on that same guitar, actually. Yeah, he got a Gibson right off the bat because he just was Taylor. My bad. Is this one a Gibson? I get him confused. Anyway, Taylor right off the bat. But man, it starts with when, when he is before all things. So would you close your eyes for just a minute with me? And I want to give you an opportunity to put him before all things. I mean, stick him before all things. Because when he's before all things, then in him, all things are held together. And the fourth point, he puts together all things and unites them into one whole. He's not, he's not trying to make sure your life doesn't fall apart. He's trying to make sure your life falls into place. But he's got to be first. He's got to be the composer. He's got to be the one setting things in place, and then he's got to be the one introducing things. And what he introduces to you, what he, what he asks you to walk with, you walk with. So I want to give you an opportunity to put him before all things. I think he's calling us to do that. He's calling us to make that commitment to say, Lord, you're before, you're before my, my husband. You're before my wife. That's what Jesus said. He said, nobody's forsaken. And he listed a whole bunch of stuff that people had forsaken for him. He said, nobody's forsaken these things. And in there were some close family relationships. 
He said, nobody's forsaking those things for my sake that won't be rewarded in this world and in the next. Because when he is before all things, he brings all things together. But he's got to be before all things. Your husband or your wife didn't die for you. And they're not able to save you. They're not able to give you the fulfillment that you're looking for. They're not able to give you the power that you need. Get Jesus before all things. Get Jesus in front. Your kids can't be first. When Jesus is before all things, he brings your kids together. He brings your marriage together. He, he pulls all things together and he makes sense out of it all because it was all there for a purpose. It just got mis- misaligned and, and out of order. When he's the composer, when he's before all things, he takes this chord chart and he makes something beautiful out of it. And so, Father, we do. We... we come to you in the name of Jesus and we choose right now to place Jesus before all things. We choose right now to submit ourselves to his power, to his will, to his plan, to his way. We will not write our own stuff. We will not we 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 are we are a cover band. We we play what we hear. We, we, we reflect heaven. We are a cover band of heaven. We play what the, what the Father is playing over us. What he is singing over us, we repeat it. We don't rush ahead and try to write our own stuff. We listen for the composer. We submit to the arranger of our lives. Lord, forgive us for so often when we rush ahead, this is where fear sets in. This is where anxiety comes from. It comes from a need to control. It comes from a need to be before all things. When we release that and we place Jesus before all things, it's not easy. And it's not something you do just once. It's something you do every single morning. Every morning you wake up, Jesus is before all things in my life today. What Jesus wants to bring into my world, this is what I'm looking for. He is before all things, which means he's first, the first thought in the morning, the first prayer of the day, the first before the morning coffee. He is before all things. He's more important than those things. I need him more than that. I need him more than social media. I need him more than my friends and family. I need him more than validation. I need him more than my job. I need him more than than anything else in my life. He is before all things. He's more necessary than anything else. So, Lord, I place you at the highest place in my life right now. I, I submit to you. Whatever chord you've given me, I'm going to play that. I'm going to play it well. I'm going to work at it well. I'm going to, if it's just love my wife, I'm going to love her well. Whatever chord. Maybe God's given you multiple chords. You're trying to balance multiple things. Maybe you're at the place where it's like he's asking you to do a chord progression and, and keep the same rhythm. I'm going to stick with my metronome. I'm going to stick with the word of God. I'm not going to get out of this book. This thing that brought me to this place, I'm not going to forsake it now. I'm not going to, try to, to try, try to wing it. I'm not going to try to do it on my own. I'm going to devote myself to the word and to prayer. I'm going to align myself with God. Because I have to. I have to stay on track with him. I have to stay on beat with him. Because he's still writing something. He's added a whole lot, but he's still working something. If the song isn't finished yet, then he's not over yet. If it's still being created, he's not done. You don't have a bridge yet? That's okay. 
Just got a chorus, a couple verses, that's fine. Just just stick with the, the rhythm of it. Stick with the metronome. Keep playing what he's called you to play. And watch what he can compose out of that. So we surrender ourselves to you today, Lord. Hold all things together inside of us, in our families, in our homes, in our church, in our community, in South Austin. Lord, we declare by faith you are holding all things together in South Austin. You are pulling all things together. You are planting churches. You are bringing Christians and missionaries to this place. You are holding all things together. You are aligning all things here. This is a city. We, we just declare that this is a city where, 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 where spiritually there will be some things unlocking. There will be some combinations coming into fruition. And the prayers of saints for decades in this city will come to pass in our lifetime. We will see revival. We will see the unlocking of that which has been prepared for us and set up, laid up for us. We will see it open. We will see heaven open. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome.